Um, so, hey, we just uh, finished up Law of Grace and uh, going through the book of Galatians, and I really hope that that was uh, a powerful study and really expanded your view of uh, really the, the grace of God and the magnitude of the grace of God. I know it really impacted me, and it was a, it was a great just kind of time uh, just marinating in the book of, of Galatians. And next week, uh, we're beginning Pathways, which is a uh, 40-ish day journey uh, uh, that we do as a community each year. Uh, we ha- uh, write a devotional by you guys, uh, written by our community, for our community. And, and uh, Pathways, I don't know if you know this, but really Pathways begins uh, the, just the preparation as soon as Pathways ends. So our community really comes together and spends just about a whole year uh, preparing for uh, this 40-day journey that we're going to be starting next week. So hopefully it becomes a, it's a time of just transformation and blessing for you guys. Uh, what we like to do in between series is uh, slow things down a little bit and just uh, open up our hearts and minds and just try to create some space, go to the Lord's table. And usually I get to uh, pontificate on a little something that I've just been kind of like thinking about. And, 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 uh, and today I really have been just thinking about uh, the lack of joy and really uh, anxiety uh, that a lot of us experience in life, and really kind of look at some scripture and and try to see a, a larger picture of what life is meant to be like. So, if you open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter four and verse four, it is uh, one of my favorite scriptures. It's something that, that has been in my heart, and I've, I've committed to uh, memory, and I've actually uh, encouraged my son to memorize this passage of scripture just as a, as a blessing and, and really a practical application of, of just grabbing on to joy in our lives. So, the, uh, Paul starts writing, and basically the situation in the church in Philippi is a lot of anxiety and dissension, and, and there's just a lot of adversity going on. And he says, look, this is where you guys need to be. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now, I don't know about you, but that word always... I don't know, but probably all of us have fallen short maybe just a little bit of always being full in uh, joy in the Lord. And he says, I say it again, rejoice. When he says, I say it again, this has been a theme throughout the book of Philippians. In, ch- uh, in chapter 3 and verse 1, he says this, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. So do not have a circumstantial faith, but uh, have, a, have a joy that transcends every circumstance. And he says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do so to safeguard your faith. Here he's making a connection between joy and being a protection of our faith. He continues on in verse 5 in chapter 4. He says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, 
The Lord is coming soon. And really, what I think he's trying to communicate here is a culture of joy and respect really defends our faith. That, that when we get into kind of the, the rut um, or the trap of division and dissension and anxiety, that, that these things start to, to erode our faith. I was like thinking about like some things that, that steal our joy. And uh, these are almost like what I would consider our, our, our joy vacuums. Uh, maybe not even just like a regular vacuum, but like one of those, uh, you know, wet dry vacs, you know, they're like 10 horsepower or something like that. And you, you fire them up and they just suck up everything, you know, and just pull it into this big, you know, barrel. And uh, some of those things, at least for me, and I'm sure you have your own uh, joy stealers, but one of those like joy vacuums to me uh, is uh, pettiness. Pettiness? You guys love pettiness? Does pettiness uh, uh, just give you a lot of joy? No, it, it steals uh, your joy. For me, uh, I, it, one of the greatest difficulties uh, for me as a pastor is uh, I get, I get uh, amazing access to people's life. And that's not the hard part, but that's one of the joy parts. Uh, uh, I, get to, uh, I get to be with people's through some of the, the darkest times of their life, uh, finding out, you know, that them or one of their family members have a terminal uh, disease or, or financial trouble or, you know, find out one of their, their children are sick or things, things like that or just, you know, marriage troubles or, or something like that. I also, on the flip side, get to be part of, of uh, joyous times in in or marriages or weddings, uh, children being born and kind of these things and just really being part of, of these things that, uh, uh, you know, people getting baptized and growing and taking, you know, just really risky steps of faith and being able to be there and be an encouragement. And, and those things are life-giving to me, that, that they're exciting to me that, and they fill me with joy. And then every so often, I'll get like the pettiness, you know, joy vacuum, you know, where, where somebody will make a big issue over, you know, like font size or something. Uh, and, and usually I don't get a whole lot of like uh, uh, space in between, you know, going from one person who is, you know, either taking a great stride of faith or, or is really hurting, and then somebody just in my view, is just being petty. And I don't know about you in, in your life, but that's usually, you know, somebody is missing the larger picture and is just being really petty about something. That, that's a joy stealer. You know, there's, uh, you know, despair. There's so many things in our life, it just brings us despair and uh, just, just brings us down and just weighs down our hearts. Or maybe at work, you know, you've, you've uh, been subjected to hypercriticism. 
uh, that, you know, there is healthy, you know, their so-called constructive criticism, and I think we all kind of understand that, but kind of the hyper-criticism, you feel like you just can't do anything right, and there's an oppressive person over you and just on you all the time. It, it sucks the joy out of, your, out of your life. Or really division, too. You know, uh, there's something just, at least for me, when when a community is, is united on something, and, and, and maybe that's why I like Pathways so much. It's such a joyous time is because we're all kind of moving in the same, same direction, and there's this sense of unity of journey. And, and when there's division uh, uh, in churches or in families or in your work life or, or anything like that, or even like a school project, that it just sucks the joy. And what Paul is trying to communicate here is kind of the vision that God has for us is that we're experiencing this joy that transcends all circumstances. But for most of us, that, that we live in a world that is just saturated with, with despair or division or pettiness or hypercriticism or, and all of these things. And it's hard for us to experience that joy, and, uh, and even just some of the times, let alone all of the time. I love how uh, the prophet Isaiah puts it in, in chapter 61 of his book, uh, in verse 10. He says this, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. You know, this idea, overwhelmed. You know, when you're overwhelmed, what, you know, things that you've been overwhelmed with, uh, in California, going surfing, sometimes I get overwhelmed by a wave. And I like, get just, you know, just pummeled. And there's nothing I can do. And that's kind of, in my mind, the vision where, where Isaiah is saying, I'm overwhelmed. There's nothing that he can do, but it's not with a big, mean wave. It's with joy. And, you know, how, wouldn't that be awesome if we could experience, be overwhelmed with joy in the Lord, my God? And he says this, he, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation. He has draped me in a robe of righteousness. And then he brings in some imagery here that I think is really important and gives us clarity in what, what really joy uh, that transcends circumstance uh, is. He says, I am like a bridegroom in his wedding suit or a bride with her jewels. And I was thinking, uh, you know, when Shannon and I got married, and, uh, you know, just kind of how beautiful she was in, in her dress. And, and uh, maybe I was handsome in my, in, in my, my, uh, my tuxedo. Uh, and I had my little McNeese tartan on and, and everything. So, yeah, it was probably pretty adorable. You know, and uh, had hair. You know, so it was, uh, it was quite the catch now that I think about it. No, just kidding. Uh, but, but. Not that this has ever happened in our marriage, but maybe in your marriage or your friendships, you know, that, that, you know, that sometimes someone will do something that, that, that starts to get on your nerves, right? No? Well, you know, other people, like, let's just talk about them. You know, maybe, maybe they make an annoying sound or, or, or maybe they eat too fast or maybe they eat too slow or maybe they leave the toilet seat up or they leave it down or, or oh, this one puts the toilet paper the wrong way. I won't say which way is the way. I don't want to alienate anybody, but you guys know which, who you are, the toilet paper going down the wrong way. Uh, 
you know, these kind of things. But these are things that you never think about at the wedding, right? When, when you're, you're, you're dressed up as, as a penguin and you're, you know, your bride, the bride is in her, in her jewels. And this is the image that, that Isaiah is saying, this is joy. This is the overwhelming the, to, that transcends the circumstance. That you're so full of joy that those little things that seem to matter a lot really don't matter at all. And that's where I think that, that, that Paul is trying to get us to. And then he kind of moves into uh, uh, past the vision part, and, and he really starts to get into really concrete kind of uh, ways that we can experience this joy in the Lord. First, he says, don't worry about anything, or in the, in the version that, that I memorized, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> right, uh-huh. Oh, well, all right, you know, but he doesn't leave it there. It's not period, all right, go and do that. He says, look, don't be anxious for anything or don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. And then he says this, then you will experience God's peace, which, tra- which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember the first time I read that scripture or first time I heard that scripture, I was like, I need that. I need the creator of the universe to guard my heart and my mind because my heart and mind is a mess and and it has just become so infiltrated with just pettiness and darkness and hurt and anxiety. And Really, where, where I think we're going here is, uh, and where Paul is going, is this idea that, that our hearts and our minds are, are a lot like a crop that, that needs to be cultivated, that peace is a cultivated crop. You know, if you wanted to grow broccoli, what, what would you do? You'd plant broccoli seeds, Right? I'm from Los Angeles, and I know that. Come on, people. All right. You know, so, you know, if you want to have peace and joy and love in, in your life, well, you know, you need to seed your mind and your hearts with peace and joy and love. You know, those of us, uh, in me especially, just, you know, just to put it on myself, when, when my thought life and my heart was black and my thought life was a mess, and I look back... And I was like, what was I seeding my mind and heart with? I was seeding my, my, my mind and my heart with things that were dark, the things that, that were not what I wanted to produce, peace and love and joy, but with things that were producing anxiety and despair and, and criticism. And he says this, he says, look, if you, if you want to create a culture in your heart and your mind that produces the type of fruit or produces the kind of, of crop of peace, joy, and joy, then you need to do a certain few things. And the first one he says is, you know what? You need to talk 
to God and tell Him what you need. It seems so simple, but it's so profound. It's, it seems so simple to say, God, this is what I specifically need. But I think most of us don't do it. In fact, I know it's become a discipline in my life. Instead of, of just being kind of vague with God, be very specific with God. Not demanding or anything, just like, God, this is what I believe I need in my life. I need your peace. I need your joy. I, I, I need you, you know, for my next breath. Whatever it is for you, I need a job. I need my marriage healed. Be very specific. And I think the next thing is equally as important. Thank him for what he has done. How often do we not do that? I mean, we, we approach God like he's a vending machine. We walk up, you know, how do you walk up? You go up to a vending machine, right? You, you're like, okay, you know, you tell the vending machine what you need. We're pretty good about that. We put our money in and, and then the thing comes out. How many of you have ever thanked a vending machine? I know all of you have cursed a vending machine. But how many of you think that God is not a cosmic vending machine? That, that, you know what, you don't go up to God and pay your tithe and hit the buttons and it's like, good, and walk away. It's, it, it's not a transaction, it's a relationship. And you, you engage with God and God, God is your child. I need this in my life. But there's something that happens in our hearts and our minds uh, that, 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 that starts to transcend and change a weedy field into something that is uh, nutritious and valuable in our life when we, we bring in, but God, I want to thank you for what you have done. You know, God, I want to thank you for the home that I do have or the apartment that I do have. God, I want to, you know, God, I need a car, but I want to thank you for the, the car that I do have now. You know, and, and, and being very specific and changing your heart to a part of gratitude. And then he starts to get really specific, and, and this is actually really difficult. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And Paul's a pastor, so when he says one final thing, he, he has like 20 more things. But, but you know, just like a little inside church thing. One final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is, and he goes through this list, true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is one of the hardest exercises, mind exercises, intellect exercises that you'll ever do. It's pretty easy to tell God what you need. It's pretty easy to thank God for what He has done. But to actually fill your mind and start saying, you know what, I, I want to fix my mind on what is true. You know, a lot of times you'll just sit there and be like, true, 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 which makes a pretty good song, but it's terrible theology. You know, the, the, you know, it, you know it's just, it, it's random, it's not specific. And what what I've tried to teach my son and, I've, and, and, and put in my life and 
and hopefully uh, this can be of some value to you, is instead of just like think about something that's true, actually think about something that is actually true, like get something specific in your mind. I'm going to just tell you when you're doing this, it's very difficult and you'll want to give up. But this is the way that you grow and cultivate peace and joy in your life. You know, what is true? And, 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 you know, things that I've come up with, you know, I haven't come up with a whole lot, to be honest with you, in years of doing this. I know that my, my wife loves me. I know that my children tolerate me. I know, you know, that, 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 that God loves me, and I know that, that Christ is my Savior. You know, very basic things, but, but being able to just say those things, what is true in your life? Because, you know, how they, how they, find, how, uh, they train bank tellers to figure out, you know, what's counterfeit money and what's real money, they don't give them counterfeit money to feel, they give them real money. They get the feel in what real money feels like. And when they know that without a doubt, that anything it feels different, they know it's not real. Same thing with true. Once you know what's true, godly true in your life, then you'll know that what is counterfeit when it presents itself. You know, what is honorable you know, these are all very difficult things, and we're not going to go through every single one of them right now. We, we don't have the time, but, but I want to really encourage you, especially if, if you're not always filled with joy, then, you know what, take this and say, you know what, this is a, this is a section of Scripture that, that is designed to help us experience that joy. And then he goes in and he says, look, keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And really, you know, we don't have access to, to Paul, but we do have access to one another. We have access to, to people who are godly, who can be models uh, for us. You know, uh, Amy Gortney's on Wise Counsel here, and a lot of people have like, uh, you know, WWJD uh, bracelets, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, I, I have a WWAGD, what would Amy Gortney do? You know, uh, kind of in, in my life, she's, she's kind of that level of, of, you know, just model of what it means to be a follower of Christ and being in community with people that you can look at and, and, and say, you know what? This is a person who personifies Christ. And, this is, and these disciplines that they've put in life, that these are disciplines that I can put in my life as well. And then he finishes off here in uh, 10 through 13. He says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me to again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, and this is so important for, for joy in our lives. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. 
for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This attitude of, of contentment, this, this, you know what, I'm not going to have a situational faith or I'm not going situ- to have situational joy. That I'm going to learn to abide in Christ and, and have this attitude of contentment and gratitude of whatever my circumstance is because I know that the Lord is coming soon and I know it's true that the Lord loves me and is concerned about me through every situation. Peter talks about this, about strength. In 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 11, he's talking about ministry and, and, and living out the vision that God has for your life. And he says, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. You know, this idea that so many times we say, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to build this for God. You know, I'm going I'm to put all my energy into that. The only problem when we build something for God is we only build what we can build. We build the best ministry. We build the best churches. We build the best families. We build build the best businesses that, that man or woman can build. But those of us who are adopted sons and daughters of Christ, that we have been called something bigger, to do things through Christ, and that we've been told that we can do all things in his name when he gives us the strength. Or Peter's saying, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And this is what I believe, that miracles happen when the finite, us, ends, and the infinite begins where God begins. When we we end trying to use our own energy and our own strength. And we say, you know what, God? I need to rely on your strength and you to provide your strength for me to be able not to build the best family or business or church that I can, but I want to build and do the best thing that you provide and the energy for you that you provide to me. You know, today we're going to take some time before Pathways begins next, next Sunday, and we're going to go to the Lord's table. And um, Eric's going to uh, take us through some focused prayer, but he's going to play a couple of songs before that. And I know... Uh, a lot of times we feel like we have to sing, and uh, but I want to give you the permission not not to sing, and maybe uh, just listen and and let that be the background to you really trying to experience more joy in your life. And I want to encourage you to go through Philippians four right here and right now, and and you know what? Tell God what you need. Whatever that is for you. But don't stop there. The next, thank him for what he has done. And replace anxiety by fixing your thoughts on what's true. And be specific, what's honorable, what's right, what's worthy of praise. All of these different things. 
open up your hearts and minds to taking a step, a positive step toward experience the vision that God has for us. And then Pastor Eric will open up the, the uh, Lord's table. And, you know, when you go up and you, and you take of the wine, that you'll remember that that was Christ, that represents Christ's blood that was spilled for you to cover our selfish ambitions, to cover our anxiety, to cover all of those things that when we have fallen short of God's glorious standard. And when we break of the bread, remembering that, it, that, that, that Christ's body was broken for us. And by doing this and going back and remembering and by doing this, we remember that, that we are redeemed people. That we are, are people who have been adopted, not because of our goodness, but because of the goodness of God. And it, and it is a response to Him that we can live elevated lives or lives that are full of joy always. You pray with me? Dear God, just uh, thank you for this community. Thank you for this time together. Uh, as we just take some time to uh, focus and fix our thoughts and, and tell you what we need and thank you for what you've done, that you will guard our hearts and minds, that you will start weeding out our fields so we can produce fruit that is worthy of what you died for. God, I just pray that you'll be with us just thick right now. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.